0: Hello, people out there in the interweb world. This is Infinite Spaghetti, episode 13. Today, we're interviewing Casey Renee Cosplay. Casey Renee Cosplay. She is a creator of costumes, an educator of costumes. She does it all. This is Infinite Spaghetti, a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host, Ethan Minsker. Part of the Project Nerd Podcast Network. It's like your penicillin shot. Every day you need a little bit of that intro.
1: Hello, Ooh, spaghetti. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've never asked, like, why is it called infinite spaghetti? I've never had anybody ask that. So,
1: Oh, why is it called infinite spaghetti? Now I need to know. Yeah.
0: See how I was fishing for that? You know, the string theory and all the different possibilities of quantum realities so it's kind of like your infinite chances of creativity through the spaghetti and who doesn't like a lot of spaghetti anyway infinite spaghetti
1: i mean you know the best the best way to know if your spaghetti is already cooked is if you throw it against the wall
0: Casey, let's have you kind of give your rundown and bio of who you are.
1: Well, hello, everyone. I am Casey Renee Cosplay. I am an award-winning costume maker, cosplayer. I like to focus more on like ball gowns and intricate details with the historical costuming. I am most known for winning TwitchCon 2018. I like to sew. I have a YouTube channel. I like to teach people how to sew. I like to twirl in ball gowns. Part of cosplay that is competition-based, there's two types of competitions. There's masquerade, and then there is you're more like construction-based. I do the construction-based. I actually do have a degree in acting, so I'm pretty decent on stage. But like, I love the technicality of making costumes, how to make them, the details, that kind of stuff. And so I've won over 15 awards in actual costume construction for costumes that i've made and there is probably at almost every convention a cosplay contest whether it's a masquerade or a cosplay contest they have different names and they do have different presentations no matter what though there will always be some kind of contest that you can enter i only do ones that actually look at my costume and judge if I can sew. But there's hall costume contests, which are really fun because you can go in like a closet costume, which is a costume from your closet. So if you wanted to be like Wednesday Adams and you have a black dress, there you go. You can show up, put your hair in pigtails, you're Wednesday Adams. And I like to do the more like construction based ones, And I get to judge them now, too. You know, when you win enough, I guess they are like, hey, like, go and, like, judge everyone else. Like, take a break. I like comic books and I like D&D. Why don't I just make my costumes for these characters that I want to be? So I basically decided I'm going to cast myself as Ariel or I'm going to cast myself as Batwoman. I really liked it. And I had fun with it so I just kept doing it and acting is kind of not really something I focus on anymore I think that there's things that I've learned in my acting career and my degree that I take with me Throughout like my YouTube videos and doing interviews and just being like having stage presence in general I think I've learned quite a bit so that I'm able to Let's Utilize see. that I know you're watching this Hello. But right now I'm really enjoying making costumes and making educational content around costumes. There's a lot of people that want to cosplay. I want to help them. I want everyone to be able to be Ariel and everyone to be able to be Tiana or Belle or whichever Disney princess you like want to be. I want to help people get there. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Now we're going to get to your origin story. Of My daughter keeps coming in and out. I do not know what she's doing. She's like in a twerk in the background. Himself. She's 10 years old. I you're can't stand working. this. I'm doing right. No one can tell if you're twerking on the other side of that. What has been your favorite reaction to the work from outside of the cosplay community? Thank you, Chelsea, <laughs> for the question. Luke, get out of here, I'm working here.
1: (laughs) Hi, Chelsea, I love your face. And I feel like my, like the best, most hilarious opinion of something that I've created was for TwitchCon when I won best in show, I had this like purpley dress and somebody said it looked like I made my dress out of their grandma's couch. And I know they were trying to insult me, but I think to this day, it's the funniest thing I've ever, I can't help but laugh. And then I get like a picture of my dress as a couch and it's just this whole cyclical thing of like, you were trying to insult me, but it was so funny and I just can't stop. So now I just want to make a dress out of a couch.
0: I don't know. That sounds like that's the kind of dress for me. Like it's probably super embroidered, like lots of flowers and like really thick. like I would look pretty good in that. All right, let's get to your origin story. How did this begin?
1: I, again, I moved to Chicago to act and I wasn't getting any work and I am a very artistic person. I really need to have art in my life to be able to, like, function. I'm a nerd. I love... the time, I was really into Batwoman, the comic books. This is just when... I think she only had eight issues in Detective Comics. So this is... 2012, 2013. I'm going to make a Batwoman costume. I bought an $80 sewing machine off of Amazon. I bought $60 worth of spandex. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just started making things and I started Googling like how to make gloves, how to make boots, how to make a bodysuit. I found a vintage Catwoman pattern online. Now I'm like, oh, I should never have cut into that. That pattern is awesome. I'm like, well, I cut into it. I already used it. I can't be mad at myself past self. And I went to a convention and people liked my Batwoman costume. I mean, I got called Batman Beyond, female Batman Beyond is what people called me. Mm, she's Kate Kane. Mm, just Google Batwoman. <laughs> and now people know who she is. So it's like awesome. But at the time, no one knew and I was like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> but I loved it. It was great. It was fun. So I've kind of haven't looked back since.
0: I'm just wondering, did you have any like further education in that?
1: I just Googled a lot of YouTube. Like YouTube is a really insanely amazing resource. I use it to this day. If I don't know how to do something, I was learning how to do a technique in tailoring for this current costume I'm working on called pad stitching. And I wasn't sure if you're supposed to have like it double threaded or single threaded. And I was like, all right, I gotta go Google. How do I do pad stitching? And sure enough, there's like 20 videos on YouTube with all these details and so much information. And I was like, yes, I know how to do this thing now. But honestly, no formal education, no classes, just videos and just also like asking people like, what do you call this silhouette? Or what do you call this dress? Do you know anyone that's made this that I can talk to about them? A lot of just asking questions. And it got easier as I went to more conventions, because you would make friends doing this. And then you'd be like, Oh my gosh, you've made a steampunk costume. I want to do this steampunk aerial. Do you have any pattern suggestions or fabric suggestions? Or like, where did you get your prop or like things like that? I probably inserted myself in many conversations that I wasn't invited to, but then like became best friends with them. So who cares? (laughs) Something that I always do is Google like things like it. So if you don't know what a bustle is, you can Google like skirt, like fluffy skirt or like things that are kind of look like it if you don't know that there's a word for it. Because that's how I figured out all my terms was I just started Googling and then I would figure out that this has a specific name. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm
0: bringing up Instagram. Yeah so the people now can see.
1: Yeah, I I model all of my stuff just because, except I did just recently make my partner a costume. I have done commissions and I'm taking a small hiatus from commissions right now, but I do. I like to model everything I make.
0: You're making the actual hoop. You're using (laughs) the the fitting form, the the mannequin type half. And what is this? Is this like a plastic material or...
1: It's actually a metal bone, so it's a flat, I think it's about eight millimeters wide by one millimeter thick. And I've put it in a fabric casing and then I am pinning it around on these this other fabric that's like twill tape. I pin it and I hand stitch it down so that it is secure inside of the hoop. And that's the hoop that you see on my wall here. Whee!
0: That's the oh, I see it, okay. <laughs>
1: I'm like, I don't really have space for it in the closet right now. So it gets to hang on my wall.
0: So for the people who are listening to this as an audio cast, this is on her Instagram page. This is Casey Renee Cosplay. And there's an actual videos that are showing like a time-lapse of her creating this hoop skirt would be the term, right? The material like doesn't come ready-made. You actually had to fabricate the fabric around the metal?
1: I believe that you used to be able to buy it like that, but now you have to buy the metal and put it in the fabric. Some people, I've seen people use like plastic hooping as well. The problem with that for me is, is it doesn't hold the weight of my gowns. My gowns are are typically heavy, anywhere from like 15 to 30 pounds. Plastic just, it'll collapse and it won't really look cute
0: seems like you could make a side business. I'm just selling the metal encased in fabric.
1: You probably could. Something that would be difficult about it.
0: Yeah,
1: because you have to cut them all very specifically to each hoop.
0: So it's primarily like princesses and not too many villains. Tell me about the fascination with Disney princesses.
1: I just grew up loving Disney. So I do actually a lot of just... Disney in general. I've done a couple of villains, like Maleficent was one of my very first costumes ever. I've done a version of Scar. I I really do like villains. I just, I just kind of make things based off of like what I'm feeling at the time, I guess. That's Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. And that kind of came like, what if she was in a ball gown at Disney World? Like what if you could meet her at Disney World in a ball gown like the other princesses instead of what she wears in the movie? And so that was kind of my own like brainchild of that. I don't know. I just like Disney in general. I like the the animation. It basically allows me to take and have a very basic guide of what I'm supposed to make. And then my imagination can go from there. And that's really a big reason why I, I love ball gowns is because you can start with this basic color blocking. From there, you can ask yourself, well, like what kind of texture would this be? Like if I'm making this, what, what do I want the texture? What fabric do I want? Do I want embroidery? Do I want to have beadwork? Do I want to have sequins or rhinestones? Like it gives you a very, very, very baseline or very small set of rules, and then you get to do whatever. And I like that.
0: it's interesting because you're like getting into the really the detail of this. and I heard you said that you have your own embroider mm-hmm. machine. The patterns and the textiles are you creating those too?
1: So I do create I do draft a lot of my own patterns. So like all of that my drafted myself lately I've been drafting almost everything, mostly because. I am getting into selling patterns. I really like that, but I also find that happen if I draft the patterns myself versus if I buy them. It's a little bit faster for me to draft something than it is to kind of like Franken pattern, which is this idea that if you have two to three different patterns that have like the right sleeve and maybe the right skirt and the right bodice, like, and you put them all together to make a dress, that you would have a thing. But the amount of time it takes to do that to me, takes longer than just drafting it myself.
0: Pursue all my questions. Like (laughs) a lazy journalist I am in a camo suit. So I used to do a lot of like high-end embroidery, like part of our, I was part of an art group called the Antagonist Movement based out of New York City. To raise money to do art projects, we would sell clothing at our art events. And some of the higher end items that we would do would be these fully embroidered jackets where it's like a thousand stitches per square inch, and it'd be like artist-designed things, and then we'd sell them for a couple of hundred bucks. So I'm very much into the embroidery thing. I think it's also like, as a punk rock thing, it's like the band patches, or like when you're a kid growing up in the army patches. Like, how big is your embroidery machine? I'm, I'm curious.
1: So I have a seven needle embroidery machine and it makes the biggest hoop is about like this big. I can do the longest thing that I've ever stitched out on it took like four and a half hours. One of my Elsa gowns, I did all of the embroidery on organza. The amount of times I had to change the hoop because of how large her embroidery is. I think I had to do seven hoop changes And it's not my favorite thing because you have to line it up and that there's so much like human error in that part of it. The machine is just so good that like if I line it up a millimeter off, you can tell like it's a millimeter off.
0: It's like you actually have to go into like a program, right? And then choose where each stitch is. And then the computer just kind of like does it. And you said you're outside of Atlanta, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm technically in Marietta, so I'm about 20, 25 minutes north of the city.
0: This suit I got from Moods Fabric. It's like kind of the most famous fabric store in New York, where if you have Tim Gunn, like talks about it all the time on the- Uh, Project Runway, yeah. Project Runway, he's always going in there to get fabric. So this suit, when I went there, I have a friend who works there, and he was like, no, you can't just go like- doing that. Let me help you. And, he, and it's like a camo suit. For this, I have like a several camouflaged full suits. Mm-hmm. And I wanted one that was a little lighter color. And then he shows me like just tons of different camo designs. And then I just bought a whole, you know, like five yards of it. And then on the inside, I wanted something that was like a hot pink silk. Oh That's amazing. Which then he matched and then I don't know if you can see, there's like an embroidered gun here that was part of our oh. art group that I stitched on the inside or had someone stitched. And then I took all this fabric over to Thailand because I was in a film festival in Bangkok and then had an art exhibit going on at one of the local galleries. Over in Asia, you can get these fully made suits made in like 24 hours or two days and it's affordable. So I took that fabric to this place and then they did a bunch of fittings. And then I had this suit. The first suit I made, I had made in Korea. And when I went to this place, it's like a famous suit place where all the politicians from the U.S. go to get these suits made in Korea. And I brought all this camo. The guy there was like, kept saying like, you really, why do you, you don't, want? let me give you another, let's give you like a pinstriper. And I'm like, no, no, this is a camo suit. I have a thing, I have a vision. This is going to be Mm -hmm. my superhero versus my Clark Kent. I need a camo suit. I'm not going to wear your thing. And he just was so adamant about getting it. And then I got the suit and I loved it. What I realized in Thailand and some of the Asian countries is that it's illegal to wear a camouflage out in public because it's only for the military. So you couldn't technically you're committing a crime just by wearing the camouflage. But at the same time. You walk around Bangkok, you see all these kids wearing these band shirts, wearing camouflage. So I thought I would interject my fashion thing because I do (laughs) like making my own. I wanted to ask just about your experience also within conventions and cosplay within convention specific, so.
1: Don't just touch somebody's costume. An extension of they don't touch somebody like just because I'm in a big ball gown and I have a lot of layers on doesn't mean you can come up and just start touching my costume. Drink water. Cosplayers, all of you drink water.
0: Remember to eat, too. I've heard some people saying like that they forget to eat and they get so excited. and then.
1: I have like snacks versus eating because I don't like eating in costume. A big part of it is just I don't I'm a messy eater. And I don't want to spill on my costume. Don't tell somebody that somebody else did it better or I like yours better than so-and-so's. It's just not really appropriate to put people in competition against each other that don't necessarily, like, are, are in a competition, you know? And then another one for me is don't tell me what character you think I should be cosplaying. Like, don't say, oh, you look more like a Loki. I mean, I don't look like Loki. You know what I mean? If I'm like Ariel, don't tell me I look more like Loki and I should cosplay Loki. That just kind of makes me feel bad when I'm Ariel. <laughs> so I think those are- yeah,
0: Those are good, that's weird. I wouldn't think somebody would walk up and say, you should be this.
1: But I have I people tell me all the time, uh, Shelly Duvall, I get Shelly Duvall all the time. They're like, do you do the Shining cosplays? I'm like, no, thank you though. I like the movie, <laughs> I don't want to relive it. <laughs>
0: Breaking down someone, what they actually look like, and then trying to slip that into a character that they want to see. That's what you're saying is going on? That seems so weird. You know what I mean? Like me going up to a stranger and saying, hey, you should do this. It's kind of like, if that's like your way of breaking the ice or something, I mean, wouldn't it be more appropriate? Like, hey, a really great job. That might be enough instead of like, let me impose my weird vision of what you need to be next. What is this you're doing right here in the video?
1: I'm cutting out this huge like velvety lace trim with a heat knife type like tool. Basically you would use a set of small scissors like this normally to cut it out and you'd have to do what's called like fussy cutting. When you're doing that for eight yards of fabric, it can really hurt your fingers. So I use a tool and then also if you're doing a piece that maybe you need to burn the edges of, or you need clean edges. The actual heat mechanism burning it will clean the edges for you. So you is that a solder, have...
0: or is it a special tool for that? Uh,
1: that one is actually a special tool because it has about four different types of like heads for it. So it's also meant for applique work, which is like embroidery work, or if you are cutting out you know pieces to applique on top of another. Garments. So like if you wanted to cut out 50 circles and make your own polka dot fabric, you can use a tool like that to cut out your fabric. It will burn the edges of it and then you will heat and bond it or use some sort of like two sided heat activated tape type thing. Basically, like a, it is heat activated on both sides and then you stitch around it and it's perfect. It looks beautiful. And the so tool is called
0: a Heat Craft Tool. Casey, Renee... Cosplay is her YouTube handle. You can see there's just tons of videos and these are how-to videos, right?
1: Yeah, they're how-to or like kind of instructional. Like some of them I vlog because if I'm doing a technique I don't know, even though I'm like confident that I can do it right, I still like to go through the process. So if something fails, I like to show that it failed, talk about why it failed. And then from there I can say like, all right, this is how you do the thing now. Do you feel Uh, like you get a
0: good response? Like this video has like 12,000 views.
1: Yeah, I feel like I get pretty good response. It definitely helps for when people go onto Instagram and say, hey, I want to make that thing that you are wearing. I can be like, I have videos on it. You can make it. Or my favorite is everyone's like, can you make my wedding dress? And I'm like, "Mm, I can't really make your wedding dress, but I can give you some tutorials and how to make gowns. I want that cosplay. Can I buy that from you? again, same thing. I have videos on how you can make it, but I don't plan on selling this one because I really like it. <laughs> That's like like probably the most commonly asked question. Anytime I make something, like my Sally ball gown, that was, I got so many DMs about, can I buy this? Can I buy this? Can I commission this? And eventually I did come up with a price point and nobody, they just didn't understand why it costs so much. And I was like, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> I like making YouTube videos cause it takes a little bit less time than making a commission. But now like anybody in the universe that wants one has the tools to make one. This is Eva, she's a rescue. Oh, yes. nice. Yes, she's a our pit bull I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, very cute. All right, now get out of here. No twerking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Eva, no twerking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Poor dog is like, why are you? Don't involve me. This is your cosplay site.
1: Yeah, my website. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As
0: opposed to...
1: Yeah, one of them is my shop and one is my... This is the front page of my website. Yeah, so I sell my embroidery files and my digital patterns when I make things. I do have a couple of free patterns too. So like I have a free Scarlet Witch headpiece, but mostly I'm it doesn't have a lot in it yet cuz like it just takes time to make these things and I'm not really the type of person that will just make an embroidery file to sell it. I don't enjoy that. I honestly don't know that I would have a lot of success in it because I feel like a lot of the reason why I would sell <laughs> something is so that if somebody wanted to make the thing I'm making, they know that they can go buy the embroidery file that I used.
0: What media you're consuming.
1: On Sunday, I binge watched all of Shadow and Bone. It's the Netflix series based off of the book Shadow and Bone and I really liked it. I feel like they had some weird pacing issues and some weird like it's just so much lore that they were trying to like shoved down our throats. And I've never read the books. So I was like, Oh, dear. Oh, no, I can't like had issues keeping up sometimes. But I really liked it. I thought the costumes were stunning. I liked how inclusive it was like casting wise. I also just really liked Magic, like I just like things that have magic in them. Um, And then I'm listening right now to a podcast. It's a morbid, it's a true crime podcast. It is a an aunt and her niece, but within 10 years of each other, so they're relatively in the same like age group, and they tell true crime stories. But the older one, the aunt. Yeah, she's an autopsy technician, so she talks a lot about what these things mean when you watch like a true crime podcast or a show, and they talk about like long list of hard words to say, <laughs> and she's like that means, or like when they say what is it like they talk to whole a lot about breaking rigor mortis and like what it takes to do that, and basically the one thing I've learned is that detectives just aren't really great at taking all of the evidence when necessary. (laughs) That's my takeaway from true crime in general is detectives take more evidence, (laughs) write more things down.
0: That sounds like something that'd be right up my alley. What's the name (laughs) of that one?
1: it's called morbid a true crime podcast they did oh my gosh they did an episode two episodes like a a two-parter on kurt cobain and they broke down the entire the phone calls from courtney and the pi like all of this stuff they broke down reports that came that they read about the amount of heroin not to overdose and if they like how much so-called that he took the 30 whatever amount but they found studies proving what state you would be in if you took that, and he would have been dead.
0: You want to hear my nirvana story?
1: I do, yes. Because I'm old,
0: I have lots of stories. So <laughs> this is more like I guess let me let me preface this: this is a foo fighter story. So I'm connecting Dave Grohl <laughs> to Nirvana. And then he was also the drummer for a band called Scream. So I'm from DC. He was the drummer for Scream. Then years later, I was in New York City. friend of mine, Chris Shiflett, used to play for a bunch of bands like Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, A lot of these bands out of the Bay Area. He was mm-hmm. on tour with his band. He was sleeping on my floor and he got a call and he's like, I have to go to LA. And I'm like, you're on the middle of tour. And he's like, yes, I have to go to LA and try out for a band, the Foo Fighters. And I was like good luck. And he went to LA and he got the food, got the gig. And he was in the Foo Fighters ever since then. And the, here's the thing, like going back to Nirvana, yeah, the way that band was set up is that they were very liberal, that everything was split
1: between mm-hmm. everybody
0: in the band. Anyone who was yep. in the band, you got the same amount.
1: Yeah, it was three so, ways, except when Courtney joined the picture.
0: Anyway, the <laughs> Foo Fighters did the same thing, right? Yeah. So the very first thing so cool. that, that when Chris, got signed they were like Mm -hmm. okay here is a million dollar check the signing bonus a million dollars go out and buy anything that you need to have on tour and so he went and bought all this crazy stuff flash forward years later like i'm you know getting married bachelor party my friends take me out to the meadowlands to see a foo fighter show I am not a Foo Fighters fan. There's like three songs oh. that I like. I was like, oh my God, it's like three hours of this band and like one song that I like, and then three hours of this band. And what was amazing, it was like all these people, it was like a sea of just, you know, cell phone lights. Like, And I was yes. like, all these people are watching this concert on their phone. On their phone. And they're like, right there, like, put the yeah. phone down. Anyway, so afterwards, my friends were like, okay, we're going backstage for the after party thing or whatever. Put in this room, sitting there. Pat Smear walks in. Pat Smears was in a band called The Germs, which I was like a huge fan of when I was a kid. Like huge Germs fan. And he comes in and he sits down. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Pat Smear. And he's like eating, has pizza. And he's like, hey, you want a piece of pizza? And I'm like, yes, I do. Whatever you're going to give me, I'm going to take. So I'm like, I'm eating pizza with Pat Smear, right? And then the rest of the band comes in, blah, 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 blah friend chris and all that and then chris goes oh it's his bachelor party right now so then dave grohl is like oh it is so he comes over and gives me a lap dance so my lap dance on my bachelor party was from dave grohl leading this back who was before Foo fighters was in the nirvana. Was in,
1: yeah, in nirvana, nirvana yeah
0: nirvana screen
1: that's hilarious
0: that's story for nirvana
1: I want a lap dance from Dave Grohl.
0: <laughs> you did a good job. He was very nice.
1: You can find me on Instagram at Casey Renee Cosplay, YouTube at Casey Renee Cosplay, and then also my website at CaseyReneeCosplay.com. I also have a Patreon and Kofi where people can help fund the ball gowns that I make. This weekend... I was binge watching some drag queens and Alyssa Edwards said, you have to crown yourself before you can let someone else crown you. And I would like to share that with everyone because I feel like you have to give yourself that crown. You have to give yourself that accolade, that award, whatever it is that you need to make yourself feel like you are valid. You have to give it to yourself first before anyone can give it to you or before anyone will give it to you. Crown yourself, everyone.
0: Thank you for being on the show.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this, only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com.